0: It was mid nineteen eighties, I believe it was nineteen eighty five. Don't hold me to it. And a friend of mine won a set of tickets to see a show, and she asked me if she, if I wanted to go with her. Now, we've been friends for many years, and I have been to several concerts with her. I said, "Sure, I'm in." Spice was in college and unavailable, so it was so uh, we went to uh, the show. It was two of the most popular acts, even though neither one was my style of music, two of the most popular acts at the time. So popular, in fact, that uh, the opening act, John Parr, he had the uh, number one song in the country at the time when the concert happened, which was uh, Man in Motion. And the headliner was Tina Turner. It was the tail end of her private dancer tour and she had the number two song in the country. It was We Don't Need Another Hero from the movie, the theme from the movie Mad Max Beyond, Thunderdome. So when we arrived, we got our tickets, and unlike in modern days when they mostly have carnival steaming, uh, or whatever they call it, you know, where you just sit wherever you want, stand where you want, there were assigned seats, and Our seats were right at the end of this little bitty runway that they had a couple of them sticking off the stage. Ours was right at the edge, and we were the first row, stage right. And it was just great seating. Now, neither one of these, I like my music much more crunchy than either of these two artists generally did. But, you know, it's free tickets, and it was fun, and the seats were great. So we watched John Parr put on a show. He was really good. He had a—I remember—he had a guitar in the shape of Illinois. He used a guitar from the shape of every state he visited. He had a—he was a guitar guy. And then Tina came out. And Tina, I'll never forget. She was wearing this little short jacket, sort of thing, white. And she was wearing a a white, low cut white top. And a. Mini skirt, a white mini skirt, um, emphasis on the word mini. And Spice is laughing already. She's heard the story a time or two. And she was also wearing like 14 inch spiked heels. I, maybe they weren't 14 inch, but they sure seem like that. And she was out there dancing around. I mean, like she was wearing flats. And. I leaned over and kind of shouted in my friend's ear. Tina Turner is the woman God put on this earth to teach other women how to dance in high heels. <laughs> yeah. Because she was amazing. And she came right down to the end of our little our little runway. And like I said, I'm first row. So I, I'm looking up at her. And all I see is like nine feet long legs. <laughs> And this beautiful woman in her tiny white outfit. And between songs, she's like, you know, greeting the crowd and stuff like that. And she looks right down, she just points right at me. She points right at me. And she just asks, Do you love me, baby? And me with my tongue half hanging out, uh huh. Yes, you know, I love you baby, much. I love you forever. <laughs> like that. Cause that's how you talk with your tongue hanging out. And she says, all right, I got a song for you here. This is just for you. she would point at me. And she breaks into We Don't Need Another Hero from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And she sings, and every once in a while, she'll walk down that stage, she'll point right to me. And I must admit... That from that point on, I was a Tina Turner fan. <laughs> that did it. And she was, the show was, I have seen a lot of concerts. I've seen some of the biggest acts in the world. That is the best show I've ever seen. Bar none. The energy that Tina had was, it's just unbelievable. And she did that every single night. Okay. Okay. And you're probably sitting there wondering, wait a minute, wait a minute. What has this got to do with prepping? (laughs) Well, it's not really Tina Turner in the concert so much as the song. We don't need another hero from the movie Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And the Mad Max series, I'm sure everybody out there listening to this has heard of it. But in the rare, unbelievable instance that you haven't, it's a post-apocalyptic Australian weird movie where everybody drives around shooting at each other in their radical, really funky looking, but very, very post apocalyptically cool looking <laughs> vehicles.
1: And everything is solved by combat, apparently.
0: Yeah. And I'm not going to go into the, the whole plotline of Mad Max, but... The funny thing is, what does this have to do with prepping? It seems to me, and it seems to Spice, and it seems to a lot of people, that the focus of a lot of preppers and prepping is what we will do if we end up in the world of Mad Max and the world of the Thunderdome. And this podcast is designed to start a discussion to maybe help people who might think this to go beyond Thunderdome.
1: To take the last line from the song, all we want is life beyond
0: the Thunderdome. Yes. So let's take a good look at why prepping for the Thunderdome. Experience, whether figuratively or in probably a couple of cases literally, is a really counterproductive idea in a lot of ways. And first of all, I apologize about the background noise in this. We'll uh, uh, we're driving in the car in the rain, and you're hearing pro- you're probably hearing raindrops. So I apologize about that, but. Like anything, prepping is come as you are podcasts are come as you are this is this is what the time we have, so this is what we got
1: I' probably
0: will fall. I'll probably end up scrapping this because I've scrapped the first four <laughs> I've scrapped the first four attempts at making this podcast because I just get too mad. something I, gets
1: frustrated by prepping for Thunder Dome as one's sole prepping activity.
0: yes, I do. It, and we're using Thunderdome, of course, as a as a uh, metaphor. Thank you. Yeah, it's a metaphor. But the whole Chiat Walkie, everything's grid down. People are it was mutant zombie bikers everywhere. You know, it's nothing but Dodge City. But Dodge City wasn't even that way. Dodge City got pretty wild, but it was never that way.
1: You if you're total- on the right side of tracks, it wasn't chaos every night. No. Uh, we're talking about scenarios where people think seem to be thinking and prepping only about well, shooting people and not getting shot.
0: But you may ask, Salty. You may ask, Spice. What is the what? What is the what's the downside to that? Is there a downside to that? And there's a big one. It's called
1: opportunity cost. Salty and I have a budget, of course. And we could choose to fortify our cabin at the place. We could have made it of stone. We could have put up a big electrified fence around it. And it would have used up all our resources that we could devote to the place. But how often are we actually going to need that compared to the fact that we've got a nice tight little cabin there? Wouldn't stop a bullet. Nope. But it stops the rain and mosquitoes really well. And we have resources left over to do other projects. What's more, really more likely to kill us out there? A bunch of guys coming and shooting through our cabin with high-powered rifles? Or the fact that we don't have a good septic system and are so more prone to, to disease?
0: Or the fact that we didn't have the money to put in the pond with the fish in it. So no, we didn't no have a, water a permanent water supply. because, I, Or you know, where our place is, wells are not an option.
1: We've been spending that money improving our food situation, so it's a long-term food producer place instead of just having a stockpile of cans and hope you enjoy them because when they're gone, they're gone.
0: Now, the, the, to us, we we'll, we'll talk. We talk about you know, you've got to have ideas and you got to have have plans. To us, the place is not a place that we're planning on fortifying if the North Koreans invade, and I really have to stay off this subject because I just go nuts about this idea of somebody invading the USA because it's just, here we go.
1: It's not happening? Not happening. So we're not prepping for that. We do prep for some very serious scenarios. Yeah. Like EMPs. Like EMPs, yeah, because it
0: could happen. Or even a bad solar flare.
1: Uh, That's, well, technically that is an EMP. Uh, Uh, That's uh, sort of. Yeah. It's a grid-down situation, and it's a very serious situation, and it could be a long-term situation. But we don't expect to be shooting and being shot at day after day in that kind of situation either. No. And
0: that's and the difference. Have, the reason we don't expect to be shot at and you know living in a Mad Max world is because we have already dealt with that in our prepping by getting ourselves out of a situation where it would be likely. Now, there's no question in my mind that if a bad disruption happened of some kind, like similar to an EMP, for example, or a food shortage disruption, that there would be mass rioting in the cities. There's no question in my mind.
1: Too many people without access to food? Yeah, that will happen.
0: Right, I get that. And in fact, I don't, you know, I I would not choose to live in a city because I, hey, everybody, everybody in my neighborhood, all the way around me, I know every one of them. I've known every one of them for years. Okay? I know who the good people are and I know who the bad people are. And I can see it coming. In the city, you have no idea who these people are. You could be a block away from having a great neighborhood, you can be back to back with a horrible neighborhood in the in the city or in the suburbs.
1: So riots know. are mostly comprised of disaffected young people, and we don't even have that many young people in our county.
0: So well, right. you know, so this is this is uh, this is actually a, a prep that we have done. But you know, a I'm not saying as well as a prep, right? I'm not saying that that we should not plan for social unrest because that's unrealistic.
1: We would plan a lot more for it if we lived in somewhere where it were more likely. But we still wouldn't be using that as our primary focus of what to prep for.
0: No. What we what we would be doing is just making some realistic choices. But, you know, you're just not going to see Mad Max. I see most likely. a whole
1: lot more people on the Internet talking about all the weapons they can stash in their bob and putting apparently zero thought into where they're actually going to go with that bob.
0: Or, as you said earlier, when we were eating lunch, or making sure that the shoes that they're going to be wearing when they're hiking out to that bob are actually broken in.
1: Yeah, you've never tried to hike 15 or 20 miles in a day with bad shoes? Or... Shoes that even started out good, but went bad. It happens. Now, that is a much more serious impairment of your ability to get around than having a third or fourth weapon in your bob.
0: Now, let me tell you, and of course, shoes are better made than they were back in the day. That's true. But only a little better made. Back in the day, the soles wore out quicker because they were made out of animals. But one of the prime motivating factors of driving the Confederacy to places that they were going was they needed shoes, and they were trying to get shoes that the Battle of Gettysburg happened because they were trying to walk around on mechanized pikes, which means gravel roads, with no shoes. And they were desperate to get even the, even the clunky shoes that they had of that day, trivia. Did you know now Spice knows this but <laughs> did you know that at the time when they made shoes they were made off of one last per size? For example, they were there were no left or right shoes.
1: Not when you bought the pair.
0: No, I mean no. Uh, this is what we're talking about like brogans, military brogans. There weren't left and right shoes. They were made off this one last. You just got two pair that fits your feet and that's what you got. And eventually they broke into a left and right, and then they broke down and then you were shoeless again. But shoes were a huge deal, and shoes are something that you know people need to think about more. Shoes are still a
1: huge deal. I'd be paying more attention to those than I would be about even the second
0: weapon in the bob. Right. So this, is, this, this opportunity cost we're talking about isn't don't think about this. It's don't worry about getting that SOG hatchet to go next to that foot-long machete which will stack next to the three guns that you're putting in your bug-out bag. Because every one of those is an opportunity cost. When you're paying that $100 for that hatchet, what are you not buying? That may be more critically important. Are you not buying a backup water filter with that? Hypothermia Uh, is
1: more dangerous. Yeah, Mosquitoes are more dangerous, literally.
0: I don't know how many of these... Bug out bags of pe- I've seen on the internet where people totally ignore insect repellent. That's insane.
1: So or a waterproof ground cloth to sleep on top of.
0: I know yep, big deal. I, I know one of the problems is, and I could see this by going on to some of the forums that I go on to. One of the problems is people are doing two things. They're getting a lot of their information from Prepper Fiction, and that's not good. I mean, a lot, there's some really good Prepper Fiction. I enjoy a good Prepper book. You know, One Second After is one of the most um, illuminating books I've ever read, and I don't care for, either the, for the sequels, but the book One Second After is outstanding.
1: I liked that one, and I am not a big fiction fan. I mostly stick to non-fiction.
0: Right, and it it it, uh, it showed a very very realistic scenario, and it showed what you know. But it, what it also showed that is, is um, that everybody will take that in the prepper fiction and then crank it one or crank it two or crank it three, and we get into a uh, a situation where there's a whole a whole bunch of really unrealistic. Scenarios being proposed because you got to have something fresh to write a book, crank it up a notch, right? And people
1: like to read about the uh, military stuff, they do. So, and we've uh, always got this uh, military, ex military superhero who's but, our hero of the
0: book running around. And that's fine, against the mob. for fiction, but it's not something to make an actual yeah. plan off of. Now, I remember I used to read, you know, male fiction. Okay, I used to read, there's a series of books called The Wingman. And I love airplanes. I love jets. I was raised on Air Force bases. I'm a military brat. And I know what the uh, Sound of Freedom sounds like.
1: Sounds I know, like a really
0: loud jet, by the way, guys. Yeah, the Sound of Freedom is uh, a jet taking off on full military power. And so you've got, like, where I grew up, the F-4 Phantom was a very free plane because it was loud. And as <laughs> as a as a digression a little bit of one, I can tell you that there is no plane that I have ever heard in my life that screams freedom like the bone of the B1B. Those are loud. Man, those things are loud. Yeah. We were up at uh, in South Dakota at Stillman or wherever the base is up there and going just going to the air museum. Uh Last summer, I think it was. Yeah. And it was a a cloudy day. You couldn't see hardly a thing. It was cloudy. But then we heard that there was an airplane warming up, and then a a bone took off right over our heads. And we looked up, we could barely see it. I think I took a cell phone picture off to try to dig it out. It was not very far away. I mean, we could not talk. Man, that thing was loud. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But If you
1: spend all your time and energy on that, you're not spending it on thing on preps you're much more
0: likely to need, much more kits. likely to use. Sewing kits. Well, learning okay. how to sew may be a much more important prep than learning how to throw a tomahawk. Okay? Now, I, because I, you're much more likely to tear your jeans than you are to have a zombie that needs his tomahawk stuck in his head. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. Now,
1: I expect to aim a weapon in earnest at another human being probably exactly zero times in my life. I do train those skills just like I buy insurance for my house because I don't expect my house to burn down either. But it could. But some things, if you need them, you really need them. And so you get them even if you think the probability is fairly low. But that doesn't mean you spend all your time and resources acquiring the things that are low probability needs. And that's our real big problem. Right. It also, by the way, tends to turn a lot of people off prepping, because that is the obvious face of it. When I first got into it and started going on the forums, one, I felt like a white buffalo kind of rare individual being on the forums and being, a female? What? No, there are a few, but very few. actually, we checked, and about half our readers are female. I was very excited yeah, to see I, that. Yeah,
0: we have a huge female readership on our forum or our uh, website. Because if you go the
1: standard prepper fiction route, women are nothing more than prizes to be protected and, and are are rescued by the by the men. Uh, that's wasting half your person power in an emergency situation, and you cannot afford to do that. No. So, it was about that, and it was about guns, and it all seemed a little silly. Because I could see a whole lot of real prepping needs that people weren't even talking about. One of the reasons we started 3BY is to spend more time and effort talking about those needs. Yeah, I did an article on latrines. It wasn't exciting, but you know what? If the power, or the sewer service goes out for more than a couple days, it's going to be important to know how to build a latrine that doesn't flood in the first rain. The right way,
0: and there really is a right way. You got to look that up. You haven't read that. Read that because it's a real deal. That you need to know how to build a latrine to keep you. You know, it doesn't matter if the mutant zombies come to take your house two weeks after the event if you've already died of typhoid fever. Or hepatitis, which is
1: actually really still abundant in the U.S. Or
0: cholera. Or you name it. There's a whole bunch of really bad diseases you can get from polluted water. Not the least of which is just dysentery. Which will kill you. So. Here's another example. I want to say, move beyond Thunderdome. Get beyond the thinking of It's all about guns. and I love guns. I'm a gun guy. But it's all about guns. Which is more important? To have three extra full, extra and full, Magpul mags full of Green Dot? Or three fresh fire extinguishers in your house? At three different places. Which do you think you're probably going to use more? Which is going to have more impact on your life? I'd say the fire extinguishers. You know, I don't know how many people who are preppers don't even keep fire extinguishers in the house or just have one. One They keep it in the wrong place. One of our contributors at
1: 3BY has in the past lost his house to a fire. Absolutely. I uh, work for the Red Cross, and I know it happens to... Dozens and dozens of people, even in the state of Missouri, every day, because I see the Red Cross files, and we only help the people who don't, didn't take care of it well enough themselves to be able to get by until they're back on their feet.
0: Right. Obviously, if you own, you probably have insurance because it's rolled up into your rolled up into your escrow for most people. Or if you don't, well, or if you
1: really actually own instead of the bank owning, yeah, like yeah, then then you.
0: Buy, I certainly hope you do and most people do. You buy insurance. And if you're a renter, you need rental insurance. Fortunately, most most apartments are now requiring that as as part of the deal, which is good. Rental insurance if you if you own that's great, but if you if you don't, rental insurance is dirt cheap, dirt cheap. 100 bucks a year. And man, you're cuz you're living in an apartment building, you're not only uh, living with your own good sense needed, but you're at the mercy of all these other dingbats who are living around you who, gosh, only knows what's going to be happening in their <laughs> apartments. So It's not
1: a prep for what you think are risks, absolutely, but I hope you will not let your risk assess- assessment be run by the prepper fiction and by the big, dramatic, awful scenarios. I'll hope you'll take some time to actually think about what you're likely to really need and base your prepping off that.
0: I, I, had, I was on a prepper forum the other day. I don't remember which one it was, but I was on there. And I saw somebody asking a serious, actual serious question. And at the time, I thought it was ridiculous, the most ridiculous question I've ever seen. But then I was reading a, a piece of prepper fiction, which was awful, and I'm not going to go into that because I'll just get mad. And I realized where that question came from. The question was, when, not yet, but when the Russians invade the USA, will they do so using AK-47s or AK-74s? Okay, putting aside the fact that the Russians are invading the United States is absolutely impossible. Putting it aside. I was just like... I, I actually posted a meme on there. Uh, one of the Joker memes. Not sure if serious. Yeah. <laughs> because that's such a dumb question. And then I was... Res- Reading this book, I was going to do a review on it. but I can't do a review. I just it's there's nothing to review. It's just just so just bad. don't would pretty much cover the review. Um, and the question came. Well, the first thing was the author screwed up in the first. He screwed up in the first book of the series. I bought the compendium for dollar ninety nine, so it's not like I was out a bunch. But he screwed up in the first series, saying that, you know the Russian troops and the Soviet or the Chinese troops. And the North Korean troops were using AK-47s. Yes, the Russians, the Chinese, and North Koreans were all involved in this. Move fast. Um, they are all using AK-47s. Well, the Russians haven't used AK-47s in years. Like, a long time. They use AK-74s. seventy four. Different round. Much more similar to the, the .223 round. And the author of the book didn't know it. It was just a typical... You know, and the Russians were invading the us. So, in the second book, which again I made it part of the way through the second book, he comes on with an explanation that, oh yeah, because this they were using old stuff that was easily transportable. They blah 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 because yeah. somebody obviously called the guy out on it. Yeah, you know this is the kind of stuff. You know it, this is fine. It's goofy, ridiculous. Prepper fiction. Kind of like the, the wingman don't base books your I used real to read prepping on this, please. The wingman folks. books I used to read. Is that they were about a guy who was fighting in his F sixteen against the world after the end of the world as we know it, and it was the most ridiculous, but fun, but ridiculous premise. It's cartoon kind of ridiculous. And everybody knew it was cartoon kind Well, this kind of stuff that, that's in a lot of this prepper fiction is cartoon stuff. It should be having Daffy Duck starring in it. Okay? <laughs> really? The Elmer hero Fudd maybe. Elmer Fudd, yeah. He's I, a I, guy. Some of these prepping heroes need to be Elmer Fudd because it is that level of dumb.
1: And I, yet I think of Elmer uh, Fudd when I see some of those videos on YouTube about guys running around the range with six guns at a time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to steal any thunder, so I won't really comment on that, but we have a post coming up, not by either of us, but I like it about just that topic. It struck it spoke to me. It
1: matched my experience well. So. From our
0: contributor, Merman, he he did yeah. this and this is I'm not gonna steal his thunder, so but he did good. He did a good job. And uh we're just what we're the whole point of this entire podcast is we just want people to stop thinking about Thunderdome. And start looking at, okay. What is the most likely thing to happen that I need to prep for? Because when you prep for the most likely things to happen, you get your priorities straight, and that still helps you if Mad Max comes. You're still in better shape if Mad Max comes. Mad Max is not going to come, most likely, in your lifetime. It could. Spending the
1: extra money to reinforce our cabin so you couldn't shoot through it is probably something we would never get a bit of return on. No. But putting up the fruit trees, valuable now. Valuable if we have to hang out there three months because of a pandemic. Valuable if an EMP hits and electricity goes away for the rest of as long as we live.
0: So there you have it. This is our hey. I think we actually got through it without me getting too mad. I'm pretty. I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah. That was pretty good. You did good. All right. So we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for for listening and thanks for supporting the podcast and the show. Go
1: find Tina's Beyond Thunderdome and listen to it as a closing theme.
0: Oh yeah, the the video is it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put a I'll put a a, a link to it in the. In the show notes, because it's a good song. All right, we'll catch you next time.